0: This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoheadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Nerd. Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. We are Jones! Welcome to another exciting, well, maybe a little shorter episode of THN. If you've been paying attention, then you heard Joe Patrick is still sick. He's a sick baby. He's getting over it, though. He's not going to die or anything and, you know, release us from this curse so we can do something else with our lives. Don't worry. He'll be back. But we wanted to get you something this week in your feed. So, instead of using our Patreon extra to, you know, entice you to donate to the show so we can keep it going we're gonna put it in your feed because we want to get it out there we reviewed dan mcdade's sci-fi epic graphic novel *Dega*, and we're going to share that with you if you are looking for our reviews for the past couple weeks they will be posted on the site as a ludicrous speed round post with everything you would normally hear us say just in written form So, hey, comic companies, feel free to steal a snippet and put it on your cover, right? I'm not saying we're great writers, but we're pretty good. Regardless, thank you to all we will be back with our regular programming very soon. For now, here is what would normally be your Patreon THN Extra. for the exciting return of the take a look it's in a book club only it's a very exclusive club this time it's just me and joe patrick we want to kick it back off remind people how this works we will probably invite nerds to come hang with us and read stuff in the near future but we thought what better way to start the year off which is you and i getting back to basics talking about some sci-fi comics
1: right that's a really that's a really generous way of saying that we Forgot to ask anybody.
0: No, yes, I, I mean, I, I, I would. I see. I would remember. You're the one who forgets everything. I didn't remember, and I just figured
1: you and I are gonna do it. So <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. We we never discussed inviting anybody this time. Oh wow. But joking. yeah, no. It, we it was our resolution to get back into to to get on on track with reading a graphic novel, like at least one graphic novel a month. And um, yeah, so we're putting our money where our mouth is or something.
0: We're putting our money in our mouth, in our mouths. We're putting
1: our baby in the (laughs) bathwater. Yes.
0: (laughs) And we're starting the first baby we'll put in the bathwater this year. Dega. This comes from writer, artist, Dan McDade. It was just recently got a release from Oni Lion Forge, but he actually self-published this in 2021, and it sort of kicked around as a cult favorite with a bunch of artists and writers. I remember people mentioning it here and there on Twitter, and I just always thought it was coming. I didn't realize he self-published it, but now we've got a proper See, hardcover release.
1: I'm I'm not even sure like what form it took. Was it? It like- was
0: a Kickstarter. He did.
1: Oh, because they talked about how Oni collected it. So does that mean it came out, like, in individual chapters? I don't know. I think
0: he put it out in issues. Like, uh, I think it was, like, two two or three issues on Kickstarter as he put it out. And then the whole idea was when you support, you get the collected edition and everything. So you got a little bit to show you that it was coming and stuff like that. But now yeah, cool, cool. we have a big, sexy edition. And here is uh, your solicit. I, I cobbled some of this from his site and some from Oni. So... Originally self-published in 2021, McDade's Diga got a major hardcover release from Oni in January. McDade describes the book as a high-concept science fiction graphic novel set on a hostile alien planet where a young female astronaut searches to harness the power source buried beneath the world while struggling to hold on to her sanity. The graphic novel is available in hardcover via Simon & Schuster and will include 14 pages of extensive production notes by McDade. This is a quote of him talking about the book. He says, "I am beyond thrilled that my girl Dega found a wonderful new home. I've watched with mounting excitement as a superlative team at Oni Press have shepherded my graphic novel from self-published sleeper sensation to lavish new form. If you've read Dega before, get ready to see it in a whole new way." So there's extra stuff here too that you didn't get from the kickstarter which is kind of neat and if you're here for the first time prepare to have your mind
1: pulled through the planet's core and back out again I i got it i was wondering why i couldn't find a kickstarter with his name on it it's because it was originally published in an anthology called shift which was a, UK, a british anthology okay uh so yeah it was serialized in that all and right maybe that is what got the kickstarter but So Dan McDade, uh, a
0: a creator we have uh, seen kicked around for a while. Here's his bio that comes from his website. Dan McDade is a comics writer and artist from Scotland following a well-regarded run on the UK Doctor Who magazine. He co-created the cosmic comedy drama Jersey Gods for Image Comics, and the cult hit Timeshare for Oni Press. Since then, he's worked on such properties as Judge Dredd, Firefly, co-developed and drew TKO's The Fearsome Dr. Fang, and collaborated several times with fellow Scottish legend Irving Welsh. I'm not sure who that is. He lives in a dirty old building overlooking the River Tay. Dega is his first graphic novel.
1: It's a drafty building, not a dirty building. I know. apologize <laughs> to Dan McDade's <laughs> housekeeping skills. Uh, maybe, I like calling it dirty. Maybe, maybe Irvine Welsh is only a legend in Scotland. Perhaps. And that's what makes him a Scottish legend. He's a Scottish legend. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. We were discussing
0: it before we started recording. The first time I recall seeing McDade's name was on a book called Vandroid for Dark Horse that he did with Ed Brisson. Jersey Gods would have come out right about the time that we had just started podcasting. So I don't know if we talked about yeah. the show or not back in the day. I
1: remember, I, I remember, I definitely remember, discuss, uh, not discussing, but seeing Jersey Gods come out and, and seeing his uh, kind of Kirby inspired, not quite as far, not quite as far on the Kirby spectrum as um, Tom Scioli when he did Godland. Yeah. But uh, definitely kind of in that ballpark where he was doing this kind of big new God style.
0: Yeah, bulky shoulders, larger characters, big hands, and stuff like that. Exactly right. Square fingertips. I think some of that is still here, but the style is definitely it's changed over the years. Like, when I went back and looked at Vandroid, to remember it, and it was a lot more cartoony than Jersey Gods was, but it's still him. It's very much him. And there's still a lot in this book that is very cartoon-ish, but I think a lot of it comes down to, like, process in this one. So this book... He talks about how he did it right about the time that he started working at IDW when he was working on Judge Dredd. And in the back matter, there, it's really cool. He has all these sketches and stuff of how he was yeah. sketching everything out. And Judge Dredd's head is just there for some reason. Like in the
1: margins. Yeah. yeah. And he's
0: like, yeah, right about this time I was drawing Judge Dredd too. <laughs> so he was on my brain. <laughs> that was, yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. But his style in Judge Dredd at the time, if you go back and look at it, it's a lot cleaner than this. A lot cleaner it's it's closer to that sort of jack kirby heavy line stuff that we used got used yeah. to from him
1: you know i'm not um i, I i'm not the, like the leading authority on on this by any means but um to me it looked like kind of classic manga stories like akira and stuff like that i where can see it was that just like uh, you know very like thick blotchy ink lines yeah but also a lot of, like, thin, clean, uh, you know, uh, environmental stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, he plays with scope a lot, too. The, the same way, like, Otomo does in Akira, where it's like, okay, here's this scene where you're overlooking the entire cityscape, and there's this giant thing that's even bigger than the cityscape. You know? You're like, wow. you
1: know. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of scope.
0: That is, um, but that is one thing we talked about when we read this. He makes some color choices as well.
1: And that is intentional. That was intentional. It, is. it definitely because is. Because you can, like, one uh, the, the art, um, so I guess midway through the book, right? Yeah, it's like, um, as, as, I think it's like as she gets closer to this mysterious
0: power source or yeah, sentient yeah. thing uh, or whatever it is. So
1: she's trying to get away from the planet or something. She's definitely, <laughs> she's stuck here. She's marooned here. No question. Right, but she's trying to get to to some sort of vessel, to a a ship of some kind.
0: She has discovered something underground. It's very Ridley Scott alien, ancient technology thing.
1: And uh, so about midway through the book, the color drops out completely for a while. And then as she is encountering new things, the color will slowly creep back in like, you know, the red grass Sprouts from underneath the creature's body, like like yeah, the tongues of fire. You know, it's like it's very evocative, and so yeah, definitely a stylic, a stylistic choice for it to like go completely black and white, and then have the color slowly fade in again. Um, because otherwise, like the colors are, you know, they're they're like painted. You know, they look painted. Like it
0: is. It's so I put like, a a YouTube video in here of him inking. And it's, he is completely old school here. Like it is comic book page. He is painting with a brush. He is gray washing. Like he went completely old school. And in the back matter, he talks about how he drew, his whole intention was to like, Start to finish, this is gonna take a month. It took him five years, which is the joke. But like he yeah. he was gonna come out and just hammer out the storyboard, hammer out the images from his brain, and then write the story around it. And some of that I think you can kind of see, and I'm not saying it's a I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but there are some things in the art later on, and no spoilers here, where the art just like kind of explodes. Where the color is gone, the definition and detail sort of just leaves almost. And it's almost like the character is seeing something that her brain can't wrap around. Sure. And watching his process, even just inking, you can see him deciding like this is an artistic choice. And it's an artistic choice because like you can tell there's aliens in this and stuff. And he pays a lot of attention on... How the aliens look, they wear big bulky suits, they've got weird faces, you know, even their word balloons is like smoke coming out of their mouth because they sound all weird and stuff, and it's really scratchy looking desperate stuff, like these guys are bad. It it gives you this excellent feeling that she's in danger, and she does not want to go near these guys, and the same thing happens when she gets too close to this thing in the center of the earth, or the planet, or whatever it is. Right. Right where it's almost like you're looking at, like, old gods or something coming to life. It's really cool, but he lets the detail kind of go. And you can tell when he was talking about working on this, he just made himself fire this out, like, just fast. This is about speed, and this is about feeling more than it is detail, and it's really impressive.
1: I I mean, it's about getting the ideas out in their purest form, right? That's what he talks about, like, that he hints at in the back of where he didn't want to have to, he didn't want to have to go through the laborious process of like sitting down and writing and scripting the thing, like typing it out, like literally typing it out, right. Like a screenplay or, or a comic book script, which I mean, you know, you could be dismissive of that, but what, what that really means is that he wanted to like go straight from the mind's eye to the page. And then he wrote it on the, thumbnail like he wrote it on the thumbnails as he was Thumbnailing the art he wrote the script Yeah and uh, I thought that that was a really a really neat way to Approach it Uh, I'm trying. so one criticism And it's not even really a criticism maybe it's a failing on my part but I'm Trying to figure out the purpose of The color shift because there's no clear reason why it happens.
0: Other I, than- I agree. I agree. She does say there's one thing where she's like, and then the lights go dim and that's when the color completely draws out except for like a red lantern. But then like she's back up on the surface and seeing stuff and there's still no color. So I don't know if Well, it's- yeah,
1: I mean, but she says the lights go dim and then there's a whole nother panel of color.
0: Yeah, that's like, well, you know, definitely with like where she's got like, She's holding on to Z, which is like her little helper the, her robot, robot thing. Pal. Yeah, right. Her um, Robbie the robot. But then the color is just gone after. That's the only thing that stood out. Is like maybe this is a plot choice. So I,
1: I think it's just purely stylistic. It's true. I just I w- typically, I mean, uh, maybe not always, but like it. Typically, you you might expect that to have some sort of like metaphorical. No, sure. The way importance. Yeah. You know well These are comic and book it stories. It doesn't appear to.
0: Yeah. Like any comic book story, our brains are wired to read the story.
1: And, thinking, and to say,
0: why did they do that? Right. Everything you see, not just what's written, but all the, you know, the color, the art, it's all telling that story. So when something changes like this, we go, OK, what part of the story is this? maybe it's not supposed to be i it could just be stylistic yeah. but then uh, now but i but then again, we had a discussion about it though like we full on said we did we weren't sure if our
1: copy was right
0: right we're like did we get an unfinished like color version or something but then i looked at it like no this it's not this is how so, it's a
1: choice uh, this is where this is where it gets confusing to me because you've got these panels these pages and panels of black and white which are fine it's still beautiful and then the color seeps through, like, with the red grass I mentioned. Yeah, yeah. And that's, like, very, like, that's really neat looking. And, uh but at that point, like, her captions, like, her narration is either not enclosed in a box or it is enclosed in a box and the box is white. Right, right. But then... A page later, there's one panel of full color where it mentions the indigo night, the like the night has fallen, and it's like this indigo night. And then it goes back to black and white, but now the caption boxes are filled in with this kind of melon color, the salmon color. So all of a sudden, the word boxes have color. And then again, one page later, they don't. Right. So I'm not sure what, like, I, I don't know what's going on there. And I found it kind of confusing.
0: No, I don't, I don't disagree. And I think there's, okay. So there's some mystery here and this is, we're not going to get into spoilers because they don't spell these mysteries out. But part of the mystery is like, there's things going on where like the main character thinks she's shrinking. Right. And she keeps okay, like, okay. so
1: I, I, I have something I have, a, I have a theory about that and I, and I think that it, it bears out in the script. Okay. Well, hold so, on before you get to your theory.
0: I just, because I've just, got a theory as well about the color relating oh, to this okay <laughs> so sure. they keep showing like when she walks on the planet the weird little tendril grass that's colored in and it's yeah. kind of peach right and later on when we get to like the godlike thing they are giant tendrils so i don't know if they're sort of saying this is the thing in the planet witnessing what she's are, doing <laughs> Like watching. I don't think her? they are,
1: dude. Maybe. I I I don't think so because uh, that's the closest to, I could
0: get. I'm not saying I have hard me, evidence.
1: Yeah. I, I, to me, the grass doesn't look like tendrils. It just looks like grass. Um. Uh, what, well, she says something,
0: but it's kind. I of, mean, it really does just look like grass. But it's also kind of fleshy and red. And later on, when she like takes off her glove, she even says, "I stare at my hand. My my skin looks pink and brand new."
1: And it's yes. like the same. It, kind and that's of why color. I yeah. So. Uh, She said the caption says the uh, the the alien creatures, the aliens that she encounters. Right. They send out mobile terra scapers, you know, whatever sci fi thing that is under their feet. Lush red grass bursts through the cracked ground. So she says it's just grass. But then you progress along, you progress along. And then she finds a body or no, she finds the leader. And he is sleeping on a bed of red grass. And then you see her. And then there's a panel where it's black and white, except for the sky. Yeah. Only the sky is in color. And then there's that panel where she takes off her glove and her hand is, you know, like pink or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's Caucasian flesh color, whatever. And, but nothing else. And it's just, if it's a, if it's a way to highlight elements in the narrative, fine i get that but then why is it full color elsewhere for sure why is it why does the full color come and go so his intentions there i found kind of confusing
0: no i don't disagree i but it
1: does not it does not take away from how gorgeous it
0: looks no and there's also a dream aspect to the story like where she keeps referring to this dream she's having with like this helmet character with feathers on it and stuff. And that like in the tunnel and like a weird dreamy train thing and picturing her mom. So I don't know how much of it is also like in her
1: head mind. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: And I think maybe she's having visions. That's just it. I think part of this is like, they're going nuts because she keeps saying things like do the checks. What's your name? How old are you? Stuff like that. Like she's trying to make prove that she can make logical sense in her head because something's going on. And it's messing. It's either messing with reality or messing with her brain.
1: That takes me to my theory. And you can bleep this out or edit it out if you think it's a spoiler. If it's too big of a spoiler. I don't think we could spoil this if we want to. It is just a theory. (laughs) So there's there's a version of the solicit. It basically says uh, time is running in instead of time is running out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I found it again today. I don't remember where I saw it, but I was like, I was looking for descriptions. Like, where was this published? Blah, blah, blah. I was looking up all this stuff just like you. And I found that.
0: It's on the comic list site. Uh, okay. Yeah. Cause yeah. I think
1: that's what we used when I, the clues are all there, but hurry. Time is running in. Right. And I think that we used that quote Yeah, when we announced it for the trade of the week. And my theory is, uh, time is running in. She's getting younger. Yeah, it's well something that's why she keeps talking about her hands her hands shrinking. Right. And the alien is like And the aliens also feel like the, the they're looking at something. The aliens are shrinking. Yeah. It's because they're getting younger. And when she when we start the adventure, she says it's day uh day 352. And she's certainly not old, but she- when you look at her at the end. She looks like a little kid in a big sp- spacesuit.
0: Yeah, definitely. When this starts, and she looks the, like maybe a, like she's a teenager, like she's still pretty yes, young,
1: right? And then the robot says that when she checks her age, the robot says she's eight years old. Right. I think she's getting younger. I, I think there's something about the planet and the anomaly, yeah, and, and the proximity to the uh, anomaly. Like she is aging in reverse, definitely. And that's why her memories are all messed up. That's why her body is is going crazy. And uh, yeah, which I thought was very cool. But again, you have to pay attention, right? Like, you don't, it's not spelled out. There's no, there's no narrator. There's no like omniscient narrator that's like, she as she loses years by the minute, you know like no, nothing, no, no, none of that's in there. She's just trying
0: to figure out what's going on, and she and sees she doesn't it understand
1: what's going on, so her narration is no help right, and it's hard to
0: know based on what we see with the colors and stuff like that and the choices made. it's hard to know if this is really happening or if something is messing, like you come here and something messes with your brain and reality and stuff we,
1: we don't really know <laughs> well there is definitely there's also definitely a scene where. She is tied up by the aliens, right? And she slips and her hand out. She's she's able to slip right out of her ropes because her hands have. I suppose that's true. Um, she's I'll, de-aged to the point that she can. She's not as big as she was when she when they tied her up.
0: So I'm going to cut some of this because we're getting a little too into the, the into the spoilery weeds. But
1: sure. My my bottom line on that is that the clues are there, right? And it's kind of up to your interpretation if that's what's going on.
0: Yeah, because you're right. There's things that happen where you go. Well, it seems like. This is what's going on here. But there's other things that are happening stylistically that lead you to believe maybe this is all insanity. Maybe this is all dream. <laughs> like, it's hard to know. I, it's well, not, yeah,
1: her, her mind is definitely playing tricks on her.
0: Yeah. This is not straightforward sci-fi by any means. And I think all the stuff that we read about everybody saying, calling it like a hypnagogic dream, surrealistic sci-fi. Like, now I get it. Yes, you guys are right. You weren't right, yeah, yeah, you weren't yeah, just exploring sure. your Thesaurus. You're right. <laughs> this is this is trippy as hell. It's Dan McDade messing around with the way comic book stories are told and his own plot, I think. It's very experimental, and I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. I did too. I did too. And it's also not the kind of thing where it's like, I want 40 issues of this. I think this is the perfect amount of it. It's it's Altogether, I think it's like 44 pages long with like 16 pages of back matter or something like that. And I think uh, that was perfect.
1: It, it's 74 total pages. So, yeah, that that could be pretty right.
0: Yeah, there's page numbers on some of them here, but not on every page. Yeah, no, it's 44 pages of story about. It looks like, oh, eh, no, maybe it is more than that, but not much. They stopped page numbering, so I don't know. But, it's, yeah, but uh,
1: you know what? It's... Um, you, yeah, you're, clo- you're pretty close to right. It's because um, there's the cover and the title page, and then the PDF right. reader says the final page is page 50. So,
0: so there- yeah, about 48 pages. There's enough of it to keep you interested. It's a quick read, but it's also deep enough that you can go back to this and look for these clues to try and decide, am I right about what I think about this? As far as some of the coloring choices, I don't fully understand it. I also don't think we're supposed to. I think he said, like, like he said, he just set some rules where he's hammering this out, and I'm going to make some decisions because they seem like the right thing to do, and that's what I'm doing. And I think that's admirable, but if this were longer than this, I might start to get bogged down in it. So it didn't bother me because it was just short enough. I'm going to give this a buy it. I really liked it.
1: Oh, well, yeah, I mean, at the, the end of the day, it all comes down to what experience I had yeah. reading it, and I, and I liked it a lot, even though I didn't understand everything about it. But there's lots of media like that where it's just, well, I'll have to read that again or someday there will be a sequel or an interview with the creator and, and he'll spell it all out and I'll feel like a big dummy. And he did talk about how he had ideas for further Dega installments, but I think it's, I think Dega is the character's name.
0: Yeah, that's her.
1: And so, you know, like this adventure can be over. It can be a completely new thing next time. Uh, which is fine with me. I I agree. Like, I don't need I don't need more of this particular thing. But if they want to do more with Dega by Dan McDade as she's like bumming around the universe or whatever, I'm totally into it. I would also be into watch like seeing him
0: do more experimental storytelling like this, because he's really good. He's really good. And I like that he just sort of like pushed himself and wouldn't let himself overthink it. And it's not explained. It is what it is. There are no apologies for it. And it's just very pretty, it's quick, and it's well-executed. I think he's a really talented guy.
1: I totally agree. I, I thought this was great. It's a buy-it-for-me, and a successful first take a look. It's in a book club of 2023. Look at us. We did it.
0: Dan McDade's Dega. It. Go check it out. It's available from Simon & Schuster. Uh, you can probably find it at your comic shop. If not, go there and order it from Oni, Lion Forge. It gets the official buy-it from Two-Headed Nerd.
1: That's $21.99 if we didn't mention that. Oh, yeah, we didn't mention that. But it's a nice hardcover. There we go. (laughs)